Hey everyone, I'm Arishi Saxena, and this is Real Lives, Real People. On this podcast, I cover a wide range of topics with guests from what they're passionate about, have dealt with, or worldly matters important to them. I want to show the candid sides of people without that social media filter, and hope to give my listeners new perspectives and thoughts. So on this episode, I speak with Taylor, who started her own business last year called Totally Tailored. She's focused on sustainability and zero-waste products. All of her items use secondhand fabric, which I think is amazing. So you'll get to hear her journey of creating this business, including the ups and downs, some interesting stories, and some of the technicalities of owning a business. I highly recommend continuing listening if you have ever been interested in starting your own business or are interested in sustainability. So let's get started. Hi, Taylor. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Great. So Taylor, um, you run this awesome company called Totally Tailored, and you create zero-waste products and sustainable alternatives. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of your journey of how you got to where you are now? Yeah. um, So I guess my whole starting into um, kind of, I guess, the sellers slash retail-ish space um, Mm -hmm. has kind of always been like a a journey that I knew I was going to take. I've been in retail since I was 16 and um, I've worked in it pretty much ever since kind of really got um, attached to like the customer um, relationship building and just kind of like interpersonal communication aspect of it, um, which I later went on to study in college. So I guess that kind of was a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, But the longer I was kind of in it and worked under different management styles and different bosses, I realized that, um, you know, you always kind of feel like you can do something better if you do it yourself. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I decided, I think probably a couple years ago that I would start my own business, just not really knowing what and not really feeling like I wanted to open just another retail store and just do clothes. And I kind of fought with that for a while. and eventually, almost a year ago now, um, Totally Tailored was born, and I am doing something I never thought I would do, um, but I'm sewing pretty much every day, which I used to despise the thought of sewing, and um, just creating my own products that um, can try and help people kind of reduce their waste and get into that little like low-waste, zero-waste world. Yeah, that's awesome. When did you get yeah. into sewing? Um, I've been sewing for a little over a year now, and I think it's probably like my mom's pride and joy. She has been sewing since I was an infant. She used to make like really beautiful um, curtains for people's homes, like really dramatic and work with really heavy duty fabrics. And she had her own little business. And then for the past, I mean, like probably 10 plus years, she's been making surgical bonnets because she works at the hospital. So she Mm -hmm. makes like all different holiday ones and whatever and I she's been trying to teach me to sew since I was a baby you know like I could even consider kind of sewing and I've always hated it and hated going to the fabric store and now we just went 
yesterday, two days ago, and we were at a fabric store for like four or five hours. And I used to just kind of dread, you know, going to Hobby Lobby with her for Joanne's. Um, So yeah, I think I've been sewing for, I guess, about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much like since your business started. Yes. I started learning to sew because I wanted to start making reusable totes which was the first product in my shop. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of extra like fabric she couldn't use for bonnet, um, just like a thicker canvas fabric. And so uh, she came over one day into my really tiny one bedroom apartment that I shared with my boyfriend. And we mm-hmm. set up a sewing machine. We moved all my schoolwork off the desk and we took apart a tote that I had and um, made a one very similar to it, used it as a pattern. And that was kind of the first time I sewed and I've just haven't really wanted to stop. It's been such a fun, creative outlet and so frustrating. And so just kind of freeing to be able to make something out of just a piece of fabric. Yeah. How did you feel when you made your first tote? Oh my gosh, I felt like such a seamstress. I was just like, <laughs> look at me. I have this $20 sewing machine and <laughs> I made this tote and now I'm going to sell them to you for $10. And um, I loved it. It was just really, really cool to like hold something that you made and to walk mm-hmm. into a store and like for someone to compliment something, you know, you might be wearing or you might be holding and to be able to say like, oh, thanks, I made that. Um, yeah it's just really cool. It just makes me feel very independent. Like, Mm. okay, I don't have to buy this anymore. Like this is something I can now create for myself out of whatever fabric I see. Um, so it just made me feel very confident. Like I could kind of conquer whatever was I wanted to. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And did you like start your website specifically for the totes or was it like after you created one? No, I started with the totes um, mostly because they were really, I thought they were easier at the time. And now I just dread making totes because I've found other things that take like a fraction of the time. Um, And as you start to do something full time, you start to see what's taking up so much of your time and you try and cut that to reduce cost um, as Mm -hmm. a business minded person. So um, I did start with just totes and I sold on Etsy and I remember selling my first tote to this random man in Texas and I like looked up his address because I was like, where is like, what, like, how did he find me? And like, where is he's like living in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And I remember emailing him, asking him how he found my business. It was just so obscure to me. Um, mm. and he I remember just responding. He was like, yeah, I just needed a tote. And like, I love that yours was made from upcycled fabrics. So like I chose that one. Um, And I was like, okay, that's kind of, you know, that's my thing. My business Mm. advisor always tells me that the riches are in the niches and my business is very niche. Um, So I was kind of like held on to the whole upcycled sustainable aspect. and was like, it's not really about the product. It's about how the product is created. And people who are environmentally aware are, you know, find that to be very important and they're willing to go the extra mile to find products that kind of align with their views. Right. Because nowadays, like, you could get a tote anywhere. You can get anything anywhere. So it's about, like, yeah. especially I feel like my generation, we really have started to look at, like, how is this company, like, running their operations? Like, 
what are their values? Like, what are they mm-hmm. doing for the community? So I feel like a lot of people are now looking at like sustainable companies. Yeah. I mean, transparency in business has become so important to people. And I mean, including myself, just like the big question in fashion, you know, is like, who made this? Like who made my clothes? Mm-hmm. And then um, when it comes to sustainable and ethical fashion, it's not even just who made my clothes. It's how much are they getting paid? Like, do they have health insurance? Do they have a safe workspace? And so I've always considered if I grow or when I grow, I guess I should say as an optimistic business owner, um, just continuing to create space where people are like, even if it's not handmade by me, it's I know who it's handmade by and I know that I'm paying them fair wages and I know that they can live a good life in whatever aspect they find. Um, but yeah, I think that transparency in business is really becoming popular and it's giving room for small businesses to be successful because people want to know their maker. They want to know mm-hmm. how it was made and they want to know that it doesn't look the exact same as the other one in the shop and there's not a hundred of them and um, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. And also that it's not like being contributed to like fast fashion and <laughs> being thrown in fires and just yes oh man fast fashion is a whole separate podcast that was my big <laughs> thing that got me started in and you know in low waste environmentalism was um like why is this dress only nine dollars at forever 21 like that's very and then right. why at this sustainable company is it 130 dollars you know it's like where is that disconnect mm. and and why um and when you start to dig into that it really you just kind of learn a lot of how some big corporations treat their their makers. Um, and yeah. making is just such an art. I couldn't imagine not paying someone fairly for their creation because it's not just factory made. Like it's someone's hands, like mm-hmm. sewing your pieces together and cutting your fabric. And I just think that's really beautiful. Yeah, and like thinking about it kind of from the standpoint of looking at a $10 dress at Forever 21, let's say, there's like probably multiple people that went into that process. They're probably trying to make, I mean, I don't know the fashion industry that well, but like (laughs) a good percentage of profit off that dress. So let's say even if they were making only $5 off that dress, yes, then, which I feel like they're probably making more. (laughs) I mean, as a business owner, your goal is always kind of aiming for 50% profit. Um, Mm. But, you know, there's a lot of things I have learned unwillingly that go into the cost of an item. Um, And I really hate calculating the cost of items because I used to think it was just like, you know, the fabric and then like the amount of time it made me to make it. But it's just so much deeper than that. And when you look at places that can charge so little for an item, I think it kind of makes you question, you know, like why, um, yeah. but there's always room for those businesses because then, you know, like I said, it's a whole separate thing of just like, you know, the ability to spend more on sustainable garments versus like, there are people who can only afford to spend $9 on a dress. And so then how do you right. go into all, I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I think it is, like, kind of a luxury to be able to afford sustainable brands. Totally. Yeah. And, I mean, I buy them secondhand, mostly because people who have the luxury of buying them brand new, typically, like, 
also the luxury of reselling them for pretty inexpensive. Um, so pretty much all of my sustainable brand pieces have come from secondhand platforms, which I typically only buy secondhand. Um, it was kind of a New Year's resolution, I guess, two years ago. And now I guess I'm two years in of only buying secondhand or or ethically sourced sustainable if I can afford it. Um, mm-hmm. But it is expensive. And that's why a lot of sustainable fashion brands go out of business left and right because mm. Because people don't want to afford, and they a lot of people don't understand why their pieces are so expensive. Um, and so that's kind of scary for me, too, as like someone going into the sustainable space and wanting to make clothes. I see businesses go out left and right just because, you know, women like me who may have a team of four or five people and they just can't pay rent because they can't produce fast enough and people don't want to pay hundreds of dollars for a dress even though the idea is like you only have one of those dresses like you don't have 10 white dresses you have one white dress and right things kind of like also thinking about like minimalism along with exactly being sustainable yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a whole process (laughs) it is it's a long process and I'm working on like you know the whole capsule wardrobe and Mm. And it's hard and I'm really bad at it. And I don't think everyone is meant to be a minimalist. Um, and that's okay. I think that there's no right way to be sustainable or be um, low waste or, you know, it looks different for everyone. And so whatever works for someone and makes them feel like they're making the biggest impact that they can. Um, I just think that's kind of all you can ask of people. Mm. Right. So we've touched on how you got into sewing and creating totes as your first product, but what really inspired you to focus on sustainability? Um, I think that the bulk of what inspired me to be sustainable was actually um, a good friend of mine. And here's a little shout out for Jessie. She runs a zero waste shop here in Athens. And I actually met her and her sister when I was just um, a good old fashion blogger. And um, I met them because they were running a blog together and I was looking for friends in Athens and I kind of fell into um, Jesse's lap, I guess. And, you know, as a, as a friend, you want to support them. And she had this shop. And so I wanted to support her. Um, and I wasn't necessarily super interested in reducing my waste by any means at this point, but I started to buy items from her, you know, here or there. And they were compostable sponges or things of that sort and I'm like oh well now I have this compostable sponge okay well flash forward now I have a compost in my backyard and I compost like everything that I can it's just um I think that a lot of it stems from her shop and kind of being influenced in a positive way to be like oh maybe I'll kind of step foot in this and then you know you follow like three people on Instagram and then all of a sudden Instagram's like here's seven million low waste zero waste bloggers and next thing you know your whole feed is and I don't (laughs) want to say I got like I didn't get cornered into being low waste by any means but you start to feel like everyone's doing it when you're surrounding yourself in social media by a certain group of people and so I was like well if everyone's doing it I can do it and then I was like oh snap this is saving me a lot of money and I'm a poor college student um And so I think that was kind of the beginning. And because I'm super into fashion, I kind of dove into the whole fast fashion concepts and um, 
it just kind of has grown from there. Um, so what kind of inspired you to make like certain products? So you started with totes and then like what brought you to create like the next thing? Um, I started to do trash audits, which is um, a low waste concept of looking in your own trash can and writing down, you know, maybe for a month, like everything mm. you put in the trash, um, which I didn't do to that extent, mostly because I'm very, very lazy. And I didn't do that. But I was kind of like, oh, a lot of my money is going to paper towels. And a lot of my money is going to Swiffer pads because I have a cat. and um, so I started to add those items in, I made them for myself first. And then I was like, oh, mm. I could just also make these for other people. And then, um, now it's kind of getting to people's recommendations. Um, like if they are looking for something and can't find it, or if they're looking for something and want to support me as a business, they may suggest it. Um, so that's kind of where like my produce bags came from. Um, and then also just like makeup squares and hair scrunchies, just kind of continuing to reduce and use my scraps as they get smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just trying to throw away as little as possible because uh, the whole idea of upcycling and using, you know, secondhand fabric is reducing textile waste in the landfill. So that was kind of my goal is to throw away as little as I can. Um, so the, products are kind of a creation of that idea um just like okay now my you know my scrap is only three by three inches what can I make oh I can make a makeup square um mm. or things of that sort so yeah I mean I really like your makeup squares that's what kind of intrigued me a lot thank you um. I love them <laughs> because I've been looking for I didn't necessarily think about using like reusable makeup squares, but I was like, oh, it'd be good to like not wash my face with the same towel every day. So that kind of like replaces that. You know? Yeah, I think for me, I was using a lot of like disposable makeup remover wipes. Um, yeah, yeah. Which are a expensive, which kind of goes back to the idea that low waste isn't just environmentalism. It's also cost effective. Um, but then be I was throwing away a lot um, of those disposable guys. Yeah, which, cotton pads. Yeah. I know. And, you know, I just keep reminding myself, like, convenience is, like, is just not more important than, you know, like, reducing waste. It just feels so good to know that this thing I'm buying is going to not be put in the trash or it's going to be put in my compost and then it's going to become dirt. And I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you just throw them on the wash, right? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I do throw them in the wash and I am working on um, getting in little like pouches. Like a to mesh put them bag. In. Yes, a mesh bag, which I think sewing with mesh sounds like my worst nightmare. So I'm just going to <laughs> source those from someone else who wants to sew with mesh. And yeah. Um, add those into the shop because I just throw them in there but like socks they can kind of slowly disappear like one by <laughs> one and you're just like oh snap now I have four makeup pads instead of five um yeah. so I am going to do that but you can also just throw them in like if you have a produce bag that you use you can just throw them in anything that kind of drawstrings um yeah 
to keep them nice and safe. <laughs> no, I think it's a great idea to have those reusable cotton pads because I use like micellar water to wash to take off my makeup all the time. And I mm-hmm. definitely use the ones where you just throw them out. So <laughs> if I had enough for like the week, then at the end of the week, I could just put them in with my clothes, you know? Exactly. Um, and that was kind of the idea in the pack. And I did five which I know seems odd, but I personally don't wear makeup. Well, I don't wear makeup anymore. So it's kind of Mm. useless for me. But I was like, maybe people don't do makeup every day. And also, I guess this might be weird to some people, but I would reuse them before I wash them. I would use them Mm. a couple times because you just rinse it. I would rinse it after and like it might have some mascara stained on it, which they're going to get stained anyways because they're white. Um, But then I would just use it again. so it was, I don't know. And then you're reducing yeah. your water and your laundry uses. <laughs> and it's just all this big fun cycle of reducing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I know you sold on Etsy and we kind of talked about this earlier, how you don't really know where your money goes with Etsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me more about that and then like what caused the shift from Etsy to your website? Um, so I sold on Etsy for a while and there's a lot of math that goes into and people who sell on Etsy full time, like they do their work because Etsy takes like these weird percentages and I just never took the time to figure it out. I just got really frustrated. But if you take the time to figure it out, then you can add in those percentages to the cost of your item so that essentially the purchaser pays those fees in a way. Mm. Um, and I was just like, I just want to sew, which I'll say every day. I don't like doing money stuff. I don't like mm-hmm. calculating costs. I don't, I just, I don't like doing any of that. Um, so I decided to switch to Shopify when I became a legal business, um, and just feel like I had more control over my money and like the cost of my items. I didn't have to raise the cost of my items. And I do sell on Etsy a little bit right now, mostly because of COVID and masks. Um, I'll put masks on there, but my costs are higher on there than on my website. And I hate that. And I know a lot of people do do that. They cross sell on Etsy and maybe Shopify or um, like another website platform. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just... I really prefer Shopify. I feel like if I just, it's mine. Like, I feel like it's my website, you know, it's my URL that you go to and I can completely change colors and do whatever and make the website completely my own. And you just yeah. don't really have that control on Etsy. Um, but as a small like beginner business, I always suggest it because it's easy. It's like 10 cents for a listing and mm. it's super non-committal. Um, and so it's a great like entry to see if you really want to have, you know, maybe your own business and it pays all your taxes and stuff for you. You don't have to do that yourself. Um, I know it's like, I actually really miss that. Um, and, or at least I assume it pays your taxes for you. I didn't pay taxes when I did it, but I'm also, I wasn't a legal business. Um, Mm -hmm. so now I'm legally bind it to pay my sales tax um so yeah now I use Shopify and I just feel like it's more customizable and 
it just feels more like a business to me and I think mm-hmm. that, that yeah. mindset is it's helpful for me to feel like okay I'm I'm an actual business and I have you know customers yeah. that come to my website and see it and then want to purchase for me and it is nice with Etsy to have that built-in search engine you know people are just going on Etsy to look something up and you might come up but at the same time like I think you had said when we talked earlier it's like other businesses come up too as a suggestion of like oh you like this dog bandana well you might also like all these other dog bandanas that have <laughs> better photography and um, can maybe even reduce their costs more or, or something so um I've just been a lot happier with with Shopify as yeah. my website platform and I think that's important that you talked about like that business mindset that comes with having your own website because I feel like Etsy I know like I'm sure people do make a full-time job out of Etsy but it can also seem almost like a side hustle or like a side job so you maybe don't feel like you need to put in 100 percent yeah for sure I also feel like a lot of your money is going to the bigger man and like there has been some controversy with the owners of Etsy and um I think Etsy started out as a handmade platform and that's really cool and they've really veered away from that and I think there's a lot um like fast created kind of like fast fashion um, aspects but like with masks for example just because they've been pushing that so much and that's what I've been selling on there lately is you know you could buy my handmade mask or I think I sell them for like $15 on there to cover the fees Um, or you could buy this one that ships from China and it's like just really fast created not made by hand clearly something you might buy on Amazon and it's only like $4.50 and so mm-hmm. it's kind of like become more of an Amazon aspect to me um, mm-hmm. of it's not just things that are created by hand. Um, and so at that point, you know, why wouldn't you just go to Amazon? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess like when people go on there, they don't really think of they don't those think products coming way. from China. They think they're all like handmade. Yeah. And they like- do a lot of them. I mean, you can change it to be like, you know, only businesses in the US or mm. anywhere or wherever you want it to come from um and by no means is everything on Etsy from China going to be manufactured by it at any means there are mm-hmm. going to be handmade makers um from there as well but i think you're just kind of competing with people who are more corporate styled and the idea is your small business so it just becomes misleading as to what their platform is really standing for, in my opinion. So it's easier to just market yourself and have total control over what you're being portrayed as, I guess. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) And did you say, so Shopify takes like 10 cents per listing? Yeah. Etsy is 10 cents a listing. Um, With Shopify, I pay a monthly fee. Um, There's like three tiers to Shopify and I'm just in the first tier because it's only me and I don't need the extra stuff because I don't have a shop and I don't have employees. Um, So I think it's like $30 a month and then they do offer like discounted shipping rates, which I appreciate and um, things of that sort. But mostly with them, you're just paying your monthly fee and then you're like buying the discounted shipping label from them, um, which if you charge your customer for shipping, it's kind of like 
just a movie. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is just the monthly fee, which $30 a month can seem very daunting. Um, and that's why I think if you're a newer business, it's important. It can be really helpful to start out on Etsy um, because it's a lot less committal and a lot more affordable if you kind of are starting with nothing. Right. Because you don't know if you're going to have like that customer base when you start off. Yeah. And especially, you know, I spend a lot of time sewing, but because I just own a website, I have to spend so much time marketing too. And if mm-hmm. I'm not actively marketing, there will be no views on my website. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you definitely take on more of a role of like social media marketing and, you know, SEO and Google and all of that stuff that I can't wrap. It's just a lot to wrap your head around. Um, but you have to get a lot more involved in that when you own your website. Um, and just do more blogging to create more traffic and more Pinteresting and um, mm. things of that sort. So there's an added hat you have to wear if you want to own your own website, um, but it can definitely be worth it in my opinion. Yeah. So what are some ways you've like marketed your business and like, what do you think has been like the most helpful? Or... Um, I don't know that I know yet what's been the most helpful because I'm a really, I'm really, I don't track it. Um, which is probably making like marketing people gasp a little bit because what's the point <laughs> of spending money in marketing if you're not going to track it to see if it's successful? And my response to that is by the time I remember that I want to track it, it's been like two months since I paid for that ad. And I'm just kind of like, oh, whatever. Um, but I think one thing if you do own a business and or a blog mostly because that you need to generate traffic to your website. Um, my friend Jesse that I mentioned before suggested um, this website called Tailwind to me, which essentially is like a Pinterest queue. And so you can queue up like pins of your own and other people's pins. And like, if you just sit and do it, I mean, you could queue up pins for like a month and it will automatically mm-hmm. post them at like the best times of day. And if you can get a pin to go viral on Pinterest, like, you're set like you'll have so many views um and it's it comes back to blogging and so the importance of blogging and creating content that people want to read um and just trying to get that to get repinned and repinned and repinned um I think that that if you're good at Pinterest and if you're good at blogging that can be really helpful for a marketing Mm -hmm. tool that's really interesting that Pinterest can be used like that because from my perspective, like I've, I used to use it in middle, middle school mostly, I think. And I would just be like, oh, style, like <laughs> summer, I know. winter. <laughs> I don't really use it much, but I do find myself, like this morning I was looking up a pattern to make a shirt. Um, and I Googled like, you know, a boxy top pattern and Pinterest came up as my first thing to click on. Um, mm. And I have realized that it's, Pinterest itself is a search engine. It's essentially a version of Google um, that's just more visual and I think more appealing to women specifically. Um, And also when you Google stuff, like a lot of times Pinterest comes up as like a link to click. Um, So I think if you are an active Googler, um, you may start to realize if you become aware of it, like you may not always click on a Pinterest pin, but a lot of times, like Pinterest does come up as a top website. Right, as those Google images. 
yeah so um in that sense it's like someone might google I'm trying to think of like the last blog post I wrote like I think like ways to reduce waste during COVID if people are looking for ways to reduce waste during COVID, which is very specific, um, so they're probably not, but if they are, like that pin might come up as a suggestion because I pinned it on Pinterest. Um, so there's a lot that goes into Pinterest, but I think that some people who are really into blogging and small business sharing of media will tell you that it's like surprisingly a very large percentage of their views on their website um I have Mm. not become that lucky my biggest platform is Facebook so that's kind of what I gear towards but yeah so I think it would be also I think it would be cool to hear how you the specifics on like actually creating your business so I know you're an LLC and like how did you go about all the like technicalities of it and registering it all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so when I decided I wanted to be, well, originally I went to, so I, I go to the small business development center or development counseling, um, which is, um, branched from UGA, but there mm-hmm. are chapters all over the country. Um, so if you just Google like SBGC, um, there will be a chapter in your town most likely. Um, but the original one was started here in Georgia. So there's one through UGA and a lot of the, like my counselor there, he teaches, um, classes at Georgia for, um, like entrepreneurship classes. Um, and I remember finding him and his name is Michael Myers. I was a little concerned because it's kind of like a scary name because of that (laughs) movie. And, um, he is just like the funniest, sweetest, kindest man ever. And um, I went to see him, I guess, back in September-ish. Um, mm-hmm. And he's free. It's a free resource. I guess I should have opened with that because that's like <laughs> really hard to find anything free that is actually helpful these days. Everyone's like, I'm yeah. for free. And then it's like useless. Um, but they, the SBGC is completely free and um so I went to see him like I said back in September um and originally I wanted to open up a shop and sell sustainable clothing that I bought from wholesale from vendors that I really liked um Mm. and he had the tools and the resources to be like hey like there's not really a market for that where we are and you know, you really should try it online. And I just remember going back a couple weeks later and being like, okay, scratch that whole idea. I'm just going to sell my products that I make because I actually make stuff. And he was like, oh, well, yeah, that makes so much more sense. Um, And so we kind of looked together at what the best option was for me to become a legal business, whether it was like a sole proprietorship or an LLC. And um, we settled with an LLC and I won't go into it too deep because I don't know a whole lot about the differentiations, but mostly with an LLC, your finances and your business finances are separate. And mm. so you are protected legally. Um, and so he just really suggested that and suggest that to a lot of his customers um, or clients. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I just went in one day and we sat down and he does this really nice thing where he gives me a keyboard. Um, 
and tells me exactly what to type and then I type it because he can't type it for me but I also don't know okay. what to say <laughs> so he's just like okay and for that line you're gonna put this and here's why um and I'm like okay cool like next what do I put here and so um I had to you have to pay to register to be an LLC and make sure that your name's not taken by anyone else but um mm-hmm. he helped me helped me set it up for free and then for the longest time would help me pay and yeah I mean just like an unbelievably free resource um that I would have paid for because he's been so helpful and he responds so quickly um and I still see him well not right now because of COVID but he is still my person and has helped you know they typically depending on where you are they've helped other businesses start up and so he's you know, helped Potropolis and a lot of other businesses that I was familiar with in Athens. And I was like, oh, they're a successful business. So I, I trust you. And I trust you right. because you're brutally honest with me and will tell me when something's not going to work. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my walk into LLC ownership. And I really still kind of don't fully know what I'm an owner of but I know that no one can take it from me so (laughs) that's kind of all I need to know it's mine and the government sees me and they're like okay yeah you own a business and um I just think that's cool and it's important for like government funding and things of that sort in your area to make sure that small businesses are being seen and being allotted enough space in the government or in local government or whatever um so a lot of people just kind of run side gigs out of their house but government you know they do look at percentage of small businesses in their town and and things of that and it does influence where money is allotted and resources and things of that sort right I think that was really interesting we were talking about this earlier too how like it's important to register your company in Athens if you can compared to like Mm -hmm. Let's say like a big metro Atlanta area because the funding for the local government like will go there. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. I remember um, the the way I learned about that. I was looking for a small space, and there was this dude who owns this building, and he was like, "I have a room you can rent." And I was like, "Okay, it seems a little weird. It's like way out, like outskirts Athens." But I remember I went to go see it, and he was such a cool dude. Um, he was you know, my age in his early 20s. And I remember him telling me that, like, in that space, they have a lot of people kind of come and go, but it's a lot of art people, like artists and musicians, and he helps them register their businesses in Athens um, to become legal businesses, because it helps with, you know, where the government looks to a lot of money and resources. And I was like, whoa, I never really thought much of that. Um, And my business is registered at my mom's, but when we move, I'll be um, registering it at our new house um, because also you can use it to write off part of your rent if you're working out of your home you can write off part of your internet bill if you use wi-fi for your business um, so as like a micro small business too when you register it from where you're living you can use it to save yourself a lot of money um, mm-hmm. and so I thought that was really cool too I was like wow um, as long as you can figure out you know the square footage you're using and then how much that square footage is of your rent, you can write that off. And I'm like, you know, when you don't really make a lot of money from your business, um, or in my case, I personally don't make any money, you kind of are looking for any way to help yourself out. So 
Mm-hmm. I just kind of think that that's really cool and something people don't really know, but it is important to register your business if you feel like it's something you want to do full time um, and just to have it. It's yours. So looking at your business um, and how you've been doing, I know you just pretty much recently started, you just started last year. Mm-hmm. So like how, what were like the ups and downs and like, how have you kept yourself motivated? Um, and do you deal with like self-doubt and all that? Yeah, there's been like a lot of downs. Um, like, <laughs> like there's like, <laughs> it's like mostly downs, I guess. Um, in the sense of, I think, like I see other small businesses and I'm like, I want to be where they are. And I feel like, because I've only known about them for six months, maybe my mind is like, they haven't been around very long. And so I start to compare myself to them. And I have a hard time remembering that like, they may have been a business for like three or four years. Um, And so comparing myself has been a big issue and something that only hurts me because A, it makes me feel like I'm not where I should be. And B, I it hurts my like relationship building with these other businesses because I get very competitive and I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to be where you are and you being successful is taking up room for me being successful. And so constant reminder that like, there's enough room in like this world for us to all have what we want. And like, there's enough room for you to be successful with your business and me to also be successful and we can support each other. And it's not a competition. Um, and also reminding myself that success looks different to each person. Like I might feel like where I'm at is successful and someone else might be like, well, like you're only just beginning, like you're so far from success. Um, but that's kind of been my biggest issue. Um, but I think just kind of staying consistent and reminding myself that it's only been one year, like it feels like a long time. Um, but it really isn't. And I haven't been working full time. Um, I've been working other places because I don't pay myself from my business. So also reminding myself, I'm not doing this Monday through Friday, nine to five and be further if I was, um, but then not beating myself up for that. So, yeah, I think there's been a lot of downs in that sense, but there's been ups, um, and lately has been a lot of ups, I guess, with mask making. Um, Mm -hmm. which is not what I want to be doing, but I am, and they've been very successful. So in that sense, kind of like pivoting and learning to pivot to create what people are looking for versus what I feel like I want to be making. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a balance there and trying to find that balance of why I want to be creating this, but I'm having to create you know, 50 UGA masks because they sell faster than I can make them. And so reminding myself, like, you kind of have to follow the money and you kind of have to follow your passion. And there's like a give and take there. Um, mm-hmm. But just kind of having grace with myself, which I think is something you may have mentioned when we talked, because I feel like that's something I would have come up with. So I'm going to say that you probably said that. Um <laughs> But now realizing that that's very true, but just being kind and gentle and like meeting myself where I am and not trying to push myself too hard because then I shut down and Mm. not being too lenient because then I don't get anything done. Um, So it's just a lot of balance and I'm really bad at that. So a lot of learning. Yeah, we were talking about like 
as like creators and stuff it's easy to kind of compare yourself or be like oh like it's been a year like I should be here by now (laughs) you know yeah and I think too like for me in my business like environmentalism is becoming very popular and it's becoming very prevalent but I also think that I'm still a little bit ahead of the curve um Mm. so I find that I've become a lot more educational and trying to remind myself that like a lot of times for your business like really successful businesses kind of start before something really takes off um Mm -hmm. and so you have to be patient too for people to get where you are like i a lot of people aren't where I am in the sense of like feeling like zero waste and feeling low waste and things like that. Um, and allotting my money to businesses that feel that way and align with those views. So you have to be patient for people to kind of get there and start to be like, oh yeah, like environmentalism is really important. Um, and then they'll start to kind of want to get into things and then they'll find you. So just being patient with People is really hard, especially because people in Georgia are very opposite of me and <laughs> environmentalism. <laughs> and that's okay. I try to remind myself that that's like that's okay because I was there once too. Um, mm-hmm. But it does get frustrating that I'm like, how are you not more aware or more interested um, in working at some of these like like vendors, like vending at some of these markets in Athens and all these really, really sweet old people coming up to me um, thinking that like my stuff is willy nilly Um, and that's okay. That's fine. But just trying to remind myself to be patient with people and educate them with what I know. And then they may take it or leave it in either way is, is okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think some of your products could be like said to be like ahead of the curve because I mean, at least for me, like I wouldn't have ever really thought to go and get reusable paper pads or reusable paper towels. But I do find like, because you may not, like you said, you may not have thought of it. Um, a lot of times my markets are my best sellers because I can explain to people like why they need something. Um, and so I can explain, like, this isn't just a set of paper towels. Like, this is going to do this, this, and this. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I can see how being able to explain your product's purpose can make a world of a difference at these markets. So, yeah, I mean, I guess with all those downs, like, what have been, what has been, like, the biggest ups so far? Like, what are the moments you've been really proud of? I think there's been a couple. I think the first one I think of like earliest in my career I guess I would say just earlier last year um is I did partner with um the Athens like the waste department um I made them a bunch of totes for um them to give out to like new people who they were hiring and I just thought that was really cool and I know it's to a lot of people it might just seem like really small because it was like oh it was like 10 totes um, but it was kind of like someone who aligns like a business, essentially government business, but a business aligns with my views and what I believe in is like wants to work with me and they see me as someone valuable enough to work with. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I thought that was really cool. And then I think a more like more recent, like right when COVID had kind of hit, um, and I started to get sales from just like all over the country. I got a sale from Puerto Rico, which I was like, whoa. But like I was mailing masks to Hawaii and like just all over the country. And that was really cool to me because I was just really blown away by so many people being able to find me and -hmm. just feeling like I'm just me in Athens, Georgia, like in my spare bedroom. Um, And people wanted to order things from me. And I thought that that was kind of a big win. And it's kind of subsided since the mask making market has become super saturated. And typically, you can find them for free, or you can get disposable ones, um, which I don't suggest personally, but for convenience, they can be really convenient. Um, But I think that was probably a more recent win. So Mm just kind of feeling like seen by people. Um, yeah. It makes you feel validated for what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. I kind of get that feeling. So with my podcast, like I mm-hmm. really only expected my friends to listen to it. <laughs> um, and I thought all my view, all my listens, I mean, would be coming from Georgia. But there's about, there's like a decent percentage coming from like Europe, which is, <laughs> I definitely don't know people there. So. Hello, Europeans. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Europeans, if you're listening. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> you all make me really happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's awesome. It's just like those little things. And I think you have to like recognize those and see those as wins or else you're constantly just going to feel like you're not like making progress. But like those little things and they'll yeah, slowly. It's important to celebrate those. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wins. Yeah. Um. So I had a question. So with selling masks do you think you've gained a bigger audience or like a bigger customer base for your other products like have they been doing well no people go the answer to that is a hard (laughs) no and there's a couple reasons I that I speculate um the first one is I'm super low on inventory of like everything because I'm so busy making masks that Mm -hmm. I can't restock my paper towels um or anything really pretty much everything is sold out right now um, or very limited and then you just have to hope that the person wants to buy that one style that you have Um, so that's my first theory my second theory especially earlier in COVID is like people are not spending unnecessary money um, and they may view Mm -hmm. what I make as unnecessary and so they're not going to buy it um, because they're cutting costs or cutting spending really Um, so that was kind of a big thing. I was like so excited all my masks were selling, but then I was like so disappointed people weren't buying anything else. And my boyfriend was like, well, look at look at us. Like we're not spending money on things that we might feel are unnecessary because we don't really have money coming in. Um, so I can't really get flustered with people for doing that because it's a very responsible thing to do. Um, yeah. But I think that those two reasons have really spiked, like are the main reasons why I'm mostly selling masks and um, I've kind of stopped selling a lot of masks too. Actually, I mostly just sell them at a store downtown. I make UGA ones specifically for um, a store I used to work out down, work at downtown. Um, mm-hmm. So I mostly just spend my days making those. Um, and then now people want kids masks, which I'm trying to do, but that is just the biggest headache I've ever had. 
mostly because like a kid grows up so fast. It's like I made a mask that fit a six year old, but it didn't fit an eight year old in like Oh yeah, yeah. It's just oh anyways. <laughs> so to answer your question, no, it has not increased my other sales. Um, but I'm kind of okay with that too because I, I can't make all of it right now. Um I kinda have to mm. prioritize what I can make and unless I want to hire someone, um, which I've considered, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah. So what are like some goals you have for the future? Um, that's a good question. I have my big picture goals right here. I actually haven't looked at in a long time. Um, <laughs> and I don't know that they even really align with what I'm doing now. Although um, one of my big goals was making my packaging low waste or um, as zero waste as I could. And I have actually done that. Um, I've changed all my packaging to 100% recycled um, packaging. So um, all of my envelopes are made out of recycled paper and um, I don't use, um, they don't like require tape um, because I was Mm -hmm. using a lot of plastic duct tape. Um, There is one size box I use that I do have to use tape um, because I don't have paper tape, which, you know, is um, a lot of work to have paper tape because you have to like get it wet and then I don't Mm -hmm. know. So I'm just like, I'm choosing my priorities and removing the tape is not one, but I don't sell a lot of those box size boxes. Um, so I guess that's a win actually. Um, I also do want to hire some people, um, maybe two to three people max. I don't want it to be too big cause I want it to stay intimate. I want people, I want my employees to know me and I want to know them. I want it to be more of just like a workspace that everyone feels comfortable in because when you're comfortable, you, you know, you work better and I want people to be able to communicate with me. I was a communications major, so I'm really, really big on open communication. Um, so that's something I do want to have in the future. I also want to have a workspace, um, of some sort. I don't know what that would look like. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think like, you know, I want to grow as a small business. I want to grow, but I don't want to grow too much. Like I would eventually cap it if I did continue to get bigger. Um, I never want to be big. Like I want to stay like in Athens local business. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. And have you thought about becoming like being certified as a B Corp? Um, not yet because I'm not growing fast enough I guess um I also like really know almost nothing about all that stuff so I really just wait for my my little nice Michael Myers to tell me it's time for something different and Mm -hmm. I put a lot of trust in him um my boyfriend is also becoming a CPA so um I put a lot of on I put a lot on him too um and just kind of hoping that I don't ever have to really look at a lot of that stuff, um, which I'm sure other successful business owners are like, but you have to. Um, I just put a lot of trust in other people to like lead me the right way, uh, which eventually that might bite me in the butt. I guess we'll find out in the future, (laughs) but I do put a lot of trust in people and I have trust in people. Um, I think people generally do want to do the right thing and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like a whole different situation but um to answer your question no I haven't really considered it or looked much into it but I'm gonna write that down now so I can google it later 
<laughs> it's a it's definitely something to look into and I mean I won't go into details on that. <laughs> cool. No, I always love like getting new things. I mean, you never like know anything about running a business until you run a business. So mm. it's like it I mean I feel like it's like having a baby. Like you never know what it's like to have a baby and raise a baby until you do it. And like and then you can yeah. only rely on other people who know about it and have had experience to help guide you. Um Yeah. So you can only learn so much before you start something. It's yeah. really just like the hands-on experience. Exactly. Get you there. Mm-hmm. So what are like some things you've learned about yourself during this whole process? Um, I'm really bad at self-discipline, uh, which I learned in college, um, actually. And I realized I haven't gotten any better. But it's very easy when you own your own business to just be like, today I'm just going to chill. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> no one's telling you not to. Um, so reminding myself that like I have to push myself because no one else is going to push me because no one else is invested in my business as much as I am, um, especially monetarily. You know, I'm the one monetarily invested, and so I should care the most. Um, but it's easy to like cut myself slack or just be like, "Oh, you worked really hard yesterday. Let's just chill today." Uh, but you can't do that if you want to grow because mm. you're just going to kind of plateau. Um, so I think that's one thing I've kind of learned. But I also think I've learned in a positive light that, like, I am very capable of owning my own business. I mm. guess I'm glad that I didn't, like, go into this and be like, oh, snap. Like, I'm actually not really the right personality for this. Um, And so I think those have kind of been affirmational for me to feel like, okay, you know, this was a good investment and this is something I could do. And if I work hard enough, people do respond positively. I just have to be more consistent and working really hard um, to get Mm -hmm. a consistent, good response. And then I'll see growth. So those are kind of the two, the biggest downer and the biggest positive. that I've learned in the past year yeah that's nice yeah do you have any like final words oh I also do I've been doing this like signature ending now (laughs) oh gosh okay you or you could say like your favorite quote or something or like favorite role model or whatever um it's funny I've been looking for a new quote to put on this agenda I was going to order to like keep myself more motivated and I'm like Uh I don't have like any sort of quote that I live by um but I I guess I would just say like you know when I started this business um my mom was really supportive and it's not that the rest of my family wasn't supportive they just didn't understand um and I let it get me down a lot because I needed my dad and my brothers to be like, yeah, this is right. Like you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did not do that. And they didn't do, they weren't like, you're making a mistake, but you know, my dad works for Google and my brother works for uh, Salesforce and uh, they are big businessmen that live in San Francisco. And so they mm-hmm. have a hard time wrapping their head around little baby business in Athens, Georgia. Um And so I guess like if there's something you want to do and your whole family's not on board or even like part of your family or whatever, um, like that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. 
and it's been a year and, you know, they're still not like you're making the best choice you could because their mind, their best choice I could make is doing what they do and, you know, finding like monetary security and things of that sort. And I think Mm -hmm. it's hard for some people to be like, oh, you're comfortable, like not making literally any money from the business that you're running. Um, And the answer to that is like, yeah, I I actually am because I really love what I do. And I know that that's going to come down the road. So Mm -hmm. if there's something you feel like is kind of off the beaten path, like you just have to kind of find other people. You know, I found friends, like I said, Jesse, and then her sister Molly just opened a coffee shop up the street um, called Molly's Coffee Co. If you're in Athens, um, 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, But just finding people who are in the same boat as you and confiding in them and them confiding in you and talking about the situation um, because you'll find that you're not the only one that wants to, like in my case, start a small business and your family's not totally on board. Like there are a lot of other me's out there and I just need to find them and find comfort in the fact that like I'm going to be fine because they are fine and other people I know are fine and you don't need your family or your friends or your partner although your partner should be supportive of you so maybe um (laughs) don't listen to that because my partner's very supportive of me but friends and family like they don't need to fully understand where you're going like you're the only one that needs to see the potential in what you're doing and what you want to do and if you can see it, like it will transpire um, mm-hmm. in time with patience and hard work. But I guess those are my words of wisdom. It's just you don't need others' affirmations to chase your own dreams. Right. That's really important. I like that. I actually really liked that. I'm going to write that down for later. <laughs> like, when I need to remind <laughs> yeah, myself. That like, this, I'll put that, that's great. Okay. I might re-listen to that because I already forgot it. So, um, <laughs> But you yeah, don't I think need the, other people's affirmations to chase your dreams. To follow, I think is what yes, to follow. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should put that on their agenda. Um, yes. You don't. Okay, cool. Anyways, um, that is, I guess, my words of wisdom. Awesome. <laughs> well, if you're listening, highly recommend checking out Totally Tailored. Um, I'll link her website in the show notes. Check it out; it's super cool. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I Thanks wish you all the me. best. Thank you. For your business. <laughs> okay, well, have a good one. Bye. You too. Thank you, Taylor, for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you and just personally as well, learning more about creating a business. There's so much more to it than meets the eye, and things like queuing up Pinterest pins and the free resources from UGA's Small Business Development Center I hadn't known of before. So yeah, everyone, definitely check out Totally Taylor's website. A lot of her products, I personally think, are very well-priced. And them being made from secondhand upcycled fabrics is such a plus over a lot of generic sustainable companies. I'll have her website as well as the business center we talked about linked in the show notes if you guys would like to check it out. And be sure to share this episode if you liked it. And as always, follow the Instagram at Real Lives Real People to stay updated. Don't hesitate to message me on there with any ideas or if you would like to discuss anything further. You can also leave a review if you're listening on the iPodcast app. The next episode will be in two weeks' time, and 
I hope everyone is doing well and healthy. Bye.